Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus, all those watching online and those watching on demand. What a great day to be at church. I'll tell you, it's a, it's a great day to be here. <clears throat> you know, there's always something, you know, about the fall season that's special. And uh, I realize that there's a lot of you who feel like that what makes fall special is football. And so I want to give credit where credit is due. Some of you have been dreaming on about a new... Uh, about a number one ranking, so congratulations. Uh, and so, um, you know, yeah, I'm almost speechless, really, because I'm not a Georgia fan, but um, I do honor you guys for, um, for your faithfulness and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you can thank the Lord and thank Alabama. Uh, or, or I should say Texas A&M. So uh, it is always funny. Uh, I would just, just know this, that enjoy this moment. I mean, it, this is something <laughs> that you have been looking forward to for a long time. And so just let your heart be filled with pride, but be careful because pride comes before a fall. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'm humbled today. Uh, I'm humbled almost every week as a South Carolina fan. <laughs> And so I, I get that. So uh, from my humble heart to yours, enjoy this moment. No, it's pretty awesome. Um, well, today we're continuing our series called Time to Dream. And uh, this series is based on a few words out of the book of Revelation, chapter 3. It says, uh, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I've placed before you, I've placed before you. I place before you an, an open door that no man can shut. In this series, we've been uh, studying how God opens and closes doors to accomplish His will in our lives. Because all of us have dreams that we have been believing for. We've been dr having dreams that we've been longing for. Some of you are dreaming of, for a promotion at work. Some of you are dreaming for a new relationship. Some of you are, are dreaming to be uh, free of this sickness or this illness that you're struggling with. You're dreaming uh, for <clears throat> to, be, to break this addiction uh, that you wrestle with. And when we look at dreams like this, so many times our dreams are so big that they're overwhelming. But we're reminded of a couple of things. One, that God is bigger um, than we think. And that God's dream for your life is bigger than your dream. And that's the big idea for the series, that God's dream for your life is bigger than your dream. We believe that God is working here in this church, and specifically, I believe that God is working in your life, in your life. And nothing starts happening until you start dreaming. And when God wants to do something significant in you, he starts with this dream. 
But there's some problems that we have to deal with. There are some barriers. Some of you have embraced this dream. And you've moved forward in that. But it seems like there's been some roadblocks. There's been some barriers. There's been some um, glass ceilings. The biggest barrier to your future is your past. The biggest barrier that you've got to deal with as you press on to the next level, as you press on to a new season, as you start dreaming God's dreams for your life, the biggest barrier to your future is your past. So many people can't move on because they're always thinking about uh, the setbacks or, or what didn't work out or uh, what you did wrong, or the mistakes you made, or the person that walked out. And it's like you're stuck here. And that, uh, that, that, that barrier keeps you in the same place week after week and month after month. Because the biggest barrier to your future is your past. But I want you to know that all of us understand that, and we understand the mistakes because we're in the same boat. We've all stumbled. That's the message of, of James chapter 3 and verse 2. It says we stumble in many ways. We, we all mess up. We all make mistakes. We all have problems. We all hurt each other. No one in this room, no one in our South Campus, nobody here is perfect. In fact, that's what Ecclesiastes chapter 7 tells us. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Not a single one of us. That includes me, it includes you, it includes all of us. We've never all done what is right. In fact, this is what Romans chapter 3 says. It says, for everyone is sin and we fall short of God's glorious standard. Here's what I want you to understand. That God knew that you would mess up. God knew that you would mess up before he put this dream in your heart. He knew that you would get off course. He knew that you would give in to temptation. That God did not base his plan for your life on the fact of you being perfect. And you've got to understand that God has a plan for you. And God has a plan for your mistakes. In fact, I say it over and over that God has a way of making miracles out of your mistakes. Today, we want to look at a story in the Old Testament, the story of Jonah. And we understand that God had a dream for Jonah and Jonah's life. And this dream uh, included Jonah being an influencer in his generation, an influencer for good. So God called Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh uh, to share the, a message of hope, a share a message of redemption, a message of life change, but that is not uh, what Jonah wanted to do. And so Jonah did the very opposite. He didn't want to go there because Jonah's dream for his life <laughs> was not about embracing God's dream. So instead of going to Nineveh, he went to the very... Uh, to the direct opposite place. He went to a, a place called Tarshish. He got on a boat and headed to an opposite direction. And that sounds like so many people that I know. Maybe even you. 
that God has a plan for your life, and instead of embracing that plan, you, you look the other way. You, you go into a different direction. God prompts you to do something, but instead of embracing the calling, you go into a different direction. You know, when we first started the church, you've heard me tell this story over and over, that we were just broke. And back then, our minister of music was a close college friend of mine named Rod Stansky. And so Rod and I, we were, we were friends in college. Now we're working in this church, this startup. You know, it's literally a startup, a handful of people uh, with a big dream. And, and, and we're thinking, okay, we need to make some money because this church deal, uh, we just don't know if it's going to be able to meet the need, okay? So we devised a plan where we would sell used cars on the side. Now, we were young, I mean, you know, 23, 24, 26 years old, that like, you know, and of course we knew a lot about the car business, not, we didn't know anything about the car business, but it couldn't be, it's not rocket science, you know, and so we said, okay, we're going to sell cars on the side, and so it was about this time, uh, we went to a pastor's conference in Athens, and the pastor was preaching. And in the middle of his message, I'm sitting by Rod, in the middle of his message, he turns and looks and said, uh, God has not called you to sell used cars. God has called you to preach, and God has called you to pray. So Rod and I looked at each other, and we thought, no, nah, he's not talking to us. <laughs> Seriously. He's not talking to us. It must be somebody else here because this is not a problem for us. And so uh, we left that, and a few weeks later, we found ourselves in Darlington, one of the largest auto auctions in America, and we're bidding on cars. <clears throat> now, most people in that situation, you take baby steps. Let's get a Toyota Corolla over here. You know, let's get a Nissan Sentra. Let, let's get something, a reliable car that we can manage. But, you know, we thought, you know what, if you get higher-end cars, the profit margins have the potential of being bigger. And so we left that auto auction with a, a bright red um, Mercedes 300D. It was like we're driving our daddy's car, okay? And so we brought that car home, and we started marketing that car. But what we didn't understand at the time was that it had all kind of mechanical problems. And it month after month, we could not get rid of it. And you start to, uh, you know, eating all your profits away. We were well past that. We couldn't get... Uh, and finally, when we got rid of it, we lost over $4,000 on that transaction. And we were already broke, and we had to take out a loan just to pay for our losses. We ignored God's prompting, and we paid for it dearly. God prompted Jonah to go to Nineveh, but instead, he went into the opposite direction. He went to Tarshish, and while he is on the way, the Bible says the Lord caused a great wind to blow on the sea. It was such a violent wind that this wind threatened to, to break the boat apart, now, it's interesting that the Bible says the Lord sent the storm. God knows how to get your attention when you are going the wrong way. Think about that. God knows how to get your attention 
when you're going the wrong way. He will not allow you to go year after year after year if you're going in the wrong uh, in direction. I believe that he will do whatever possible to get your attention. The winds were so strong that even those experienced sailors on board recognized this wind, this storm, is not a normal storm. In fact, this wind, this storm has something different about them. It was like it was a storm of spiritual significance. And they looked at each other trying to figure out what's really behind this storm because this is not normal. Who's responsible for causing this storm? And as they were looking at each other on the, the boat, they finally looked at Jonah and Jonah confessed, it's me. It's me, it's my fault, Uh, I'm a Hebrew, I worship God, and I am running away from God. You know, when you are running away from God, you're running away from God's purpose for your life. You're running away from his dream for your life. When you're on the run, you open the door for trouble. Trouble to come into your life. And not only trouble to come into your life, but trouble to affect the people around you. Possibly even the people closest to you. You see, our our decisions don't just affect us, but they, they affect the people that are closest to us. They affect our family, our children. And so if you're struggling with doing the right thing, I would say keep pressing on to do the right thing because when you do the wrong thing it'll not only affect you but it will affect the people around you that's those sailors that day uh, they were being affected by Jonah's decision so they made a choice to throw Jonah overboard and when they did the winds and the storm died down now over the next few minutes I want to talk to you about five things that I believe that you can do to stop the storm in your life. I'm going to talk about five things that I believe that you can do to recover God's dream for your life. To recover God's dream in spite of your poor decisions. In in spite of your blunders. You see, in this story, Jonah was big enough to admit that, that he was the cause for the storm. That's the first step to victory. You've got to come to the place where you're willing to say, I honestly accept responsibility for my poor choices. You come to the place where you say, I honestly, I accept responsibility for my poor choices. You have to admit it. You have to come clean. Nobody forced you to make the choices that you have made. You did it on your own, and so did I. The Bible says we've all stumbled in many ways. We've made poor choices. We've got to stop the excuses. We've got to stop the excuses. We've got to own up to our issues. As long as you continue making excuses, then the winds are going to uh, come, the storms are going to blow in, the difficulty is going to continue to come your way. When Jonah was thrown overboard, I'm sure he thought, well, I'm done. My life is over, and it was all my fault. But then all of a sudden, the Bible says a fish swallowed him. 
And when the fish swallowed him, we see that God in his mercy reached down. In this man's rebellion, God reached down. Jodah was on the run, but God is saying, I have, even though you're on the run, I'm not finished with you yet. I have a purpose for you to fill. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm chapter 139. He said, where can I go from your spirit and where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and if I settle on the far side of the sea, the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. Even if I settle on the far side, Jonah was on the far side of the sea. He was not in Nineveh, but he was headed toward Tarshish. It doesn't matter how far you have fallen. It doesn't matter how far you have wandered away, how you've drifted away. God still has a calling on your life. God still has a dream on your life. But so many times we just drift. Or maybe we are like Jonah and we go just headlong the opposite direction of where we're supposed to be. We drift. Sometimes it's a, a clear decision. Other times it's just a slow, steady drift. Do you remember this past summer when you went to the beach and, and you took that little boogie board out in the ocean and you rode those waves um, and you, you rode those waves in and then you ran back in the ocean and you rode them uh, and you did that several times. About 30 minutes into this, you look up and says, wait, who moved the condo? Where are we? And see, what happened is you drifted. There was this slow, steady undertow that pulled you away from where you got in. And so many times in life, there's this slow, steady undertow that pulls us away. We just drift. Little by little, we drift. We drift. And then we find our place far from God. Wondering if we'll ever be able to make things right. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen. God's calling on your life is irrevocable. That comes from the book of Romans. That means that God is not going to change his mind because you got off course. God is waiting for you to get on the right path. And the sooner that you get on the right path, the better it's going to be for you, but also for your family and for those people that are closest to you. Here's the second step. If you're going to recover God's dream, you've got to come to the place where you say, I humbly ask for God's mercy and forgiveness. I humbly ask. I think the key words there is humbly. I, I humbly ask. We, we come to the place where we recognize our mistakes. We recognize our, our bad choices, our poor choices. We recognize our sins. We recognize our, our limitations, and we say, God, we need help. Help me. Help me. Have mercy upon me. That's what David did when uh, he had fallen. In Psalm chapter 51, we see this, this, 
um, psalm of confession when he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I think the process in that is that we become very specific. God, cleanse me. Name that. God, uh, I'm admitting I have this issue and, and I'm coming to you and asking for you to have mercy upon me. Jonah was thrown overboard and God had mercy on him. And God provided for him. Very interesting. In, in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 17, it says, Now the Lord provided. Well, what did the Lord provide? So many times we think about provision being this unexpected check in the mail or, or this gift or this opportunity. God provided and we, we celebrate that. And, and, and here we see God provided in Jonah's life. But what did God provide? The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. I can imagine Jonah sitting in the belly, the belly of the fish. And it's dark and it's uncomfortable and it stinks. And I'm sure he's thinking, my life is over. But I am getting exactly what I deserve. My life is over. The situation looked impossible. Maybe some of you feel like that you are in a similar place where your constant thoughts are, man, I'm, my life is over. It's just never going to be what I thought it would be. I made this bad choice and it's just going to forever follow me. But God in his mercy made a way for Jonah. God's mercy reached down into the belly of that fish and provided a way out. I believe God's mercy will reach down to the very place that you may be in even today and will provide you with an opportunity to get out of what the mess, the problem, the situation that you find yourself in. And Jonah, we flip it over to chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. From the inside of the fish, what happened? Jonah prayed. He prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and God answered him. In his distress, in this difficult place, in this place where he really thought, maybe this is the end of my story, in this where he's at the end of his hope, God reached down and provided a way out when Jonah called on him. What is it going to take for you to call on the Lord? Very practically, I want you to think about your life. What is it going to take for you to call on the Lord? How bad does the situation have to be? How bad does this situation have to get? What is it going to take for you to call on the Lord? Your life is going to be stormy until you get back on the right path. And, and at some point along the way, you've got to accept responsibility. At some point in the way, you've got to humbly ask God for mercy. God, have mercy on me. 
have mercy on me. God is not asking you to be perfect. He's just asking you to deal with those things that are holding you back, those things that are keeping you from your purpose, those things that are keeping you from his dream for your life. This is where you come to the place, thirdly, and you say, I I gratefully accept God's grace. I accept God's grace. I didn't deserve this. I didn't earn this. I'm just accepting that, that grace, and I forgive myself. Your past is the biggest barrier that you've got to deal with. It's the biggest barrier. Your past is keeping you from your dream. I want you to think about this. God is here to forgive you. And many of you have prayed this prayer. And I would say to you, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Your your slates have been washed clean. Um, Your sin has been placed in the deepest sea. God has forgiven you. When are you going to forgive yourself? When are you going to forgive yourself? Quit beating yourself up for those things that just didn't work out. It didn't work out. You're, you're just beating yourself up and saying, oh, I didn't do the right thing here. I didn't raise my kids right. I blew my marriage. I wasted so much of my life on drugs and alcohol. That's what's behind you. That's your past. I want you to focus on what's in front of you, the opportunities that you have ahead. And, you, and for you to truly embrace that future and that dream, you've got to come to the place where you release it, that you forgive yourself. God has taken your sin and placed it in the deepest sea. God has separated you from your sin as far as the east is from the west. It is time for you to quit remembering what God has forgotten. Quit replaying those failures. Jesus Christ forgives you and removes all of your sin and he removes all of your guilt. And that's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation. God's mercies are fresh. So don't spend another moment beating yourself up. Don't spend another moment living in regrets. God has forgiven you, and it is time for you to release that and for you to forgive yourself. It's time for you to move on. It's time for you. For you to forgive yourself, to let it go. Here's the fourth thing. This is when you come to the place and you say, I sincerely promise to use my experiences to help other people. To use my experiences to help other people. God never wastes a pain and God never wastes a problem. But he will use those difficulties, those pains and those problems for your good and for his glory.
God is going to use this difficulty, this challenge, this pain for your good and his glory. You know, so many times at this stage of our lives that I, I deal and counsel people as much on money issues and much on business-related issues as I do on marriage or other things like that. And I think the reason I, I'm placed in those situations is because I understand what it means to be uh, in peril. I understand what it means to, to live in government housing. I, I understand what it means uh, to be on food stamps. I understand what it means to have to take a loan to pay for a bad business deal and take months to recover from that. And I, I've come to the place where God takes those bad things, those negative things, those pains and those problems and, and gives you an opportunity. He will take your mistakes and give you an opportunity for ministry. When Jonah came out of this well, God spoke to him a second time. In chapter 3, the next chapter. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. What did God say the second time? He said, I want you to go to Nineveh. He said the very same thing that he said the first time. God still had a purpose. God still had a dream for Jonah's life. I believe that God still has a purpose and God still has a dream for your life. Jonah made a wrong turn. Jonah made a mistake. Jonah went in the wrong direction. Jonah went on the run. But because he went on the run doesn't mean that he lost his purpose. And so God gave him a second chance and Jonah embraced the second chance and he went to Nineveh and he shared his experiences. He shared his story. As he shared his story, he influenced people to turn their lives around. And 120,000 people came to the Lord. Maybe you're like Jonah. You've made mistakes. But instead of embracing a new opportunity, you're just sitting on the sidelines and saying, well, God can never use me. I'm glad he's forgiven me, but I know he never can use me. He can't use my experiences. I've, I've messed up. I've got a reputation. You don't know what I've done, Marty. I've, I've failed. I failed in my marriage. I failed in my business. I just drink too much. I've made poor decisions. You're no different than Jonah. I believe that God can turn your life around and use your experiences. A couple of weeks ago, I had a young man walk in my office and he told me a story. And his story is more common in our community than most of us would like to imagine. It's a story of alcohol. It's a story of Adderall. It's a story of meth use. And this story of addiction drove him to a place of isolation and loneliness, drove him to a place of darkness. Now, this story is not a story from the inner city. This story is a story from the country club. But he came out of high school and he used his words. He said, I just started partying every weekend, just every weekend, just 
that, that's all I wanted to do. I lived for the weekend for the party. But there came a point where that wasn't enough. Then I started adding Adderall. And he said, oh, Marty, he said, you can find doctors everywhere. Just write those scripts. There's right, left. But then that wasn't enough. And then I went to meth. It was just this steady drift, this steady uh, slide going deeper and deeper to the point where he had pushed his family away. He had pushed his friends away. He was self-focused on his deal and his addiction. It came a breaking point, and earlier this year, he went into rehab. Came out of rehab. He was doing fine, but then he relapsed. Then he went in rehab again this summer. And he said, I got out of rehab, and the next day was the Stevens Creek Revival. And he said, I came to the revival, and he said, the power of God changed my life. He said, I didn't even know if God was real. He said, but I do know, I know now that God is real. He said, I've never experienced anything like it. His story is similar to so many stories in our congregation. So many stories. We can all look back and we can see where we've made bad choices, where we've made bad decisions, where we've made a mess out of our lives. But God, in his mercy, cleaned it up. You may have lost your temper. You may have said things that got you in trouble. Uh, maybe you should have lost your job. Maybe you should have lost your family. But God's mercy showed up. Because God is a God of second chances. Here's the fifth and final one. You've got to come to the place where you say, I will courageously face the future with faith. That we understand that we need a power that is greater than ourselves and that we put our faith, we put our trust and say, God, I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I want you to help me through this. I am trusting that you are going to help me through this. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to put my confidence, my trust in you, Lord. Have you done that? Have you taken the courage? He said, oh, Marty, God's not going to be interested. I made, I messed up too, too many times. You know, when we study the Bible, we meet a man named Abraham who is considered to be the father of our faith, but yet at a crucial moment, he lied and was willing to trade his wife. We see Moses. He murdered a guy. We see Jonah. He forsook his call and his assignment and went and ran the other way. We see Noah got drunk and embarrassed himself. We see Rahab was a prostitute. We see David committed adultery and then had his lover's husband murdered. Now, where do we find all those people listed together? They're listed together in Hebrews chapter 11. This is God's hall of fame or God's hall of faith. Think about that. We call it a hall of faith because this is an example of God giving people second chances. If you had to be perfect, 
to be used of God, if you had to be perfect to embrace God's dream for your life, none of us would be there. Because we've all stumbled. We've all fallen. But God in his mercy and God in his grace reaches down to the very place that we uh, are at right now. And he offers us a hand. He says, come on. You can get through this. Come on. You can make it through this. You don't have to continue living the life you've been living, but you can be free. You can be forgiven. You can be empowered. You can be strengthened. But for that to happen, you have to step out in faith. You have to reach out in faith. You have to say, yes, God, I believe. Yes, God, I trust you. I am giving my life over to you. And to those who are that courageous, God reaches down in mercy and gives you a second chance. Or maybe for you it's a third or fourth or 20th chance. But God in his mercy reaches down to the pit that you find yourself in and he offers help today. I don't know your struggle. I don't know the level of difficulty that you're in right now. But I do know this. God's grace is sufficient. And God's mercies are new every morning. And so I am just speaking to you today to to let this be the day that you turn to him. That this be the day like Jonah, that you may be in the belly of this fish and maybe when everything is uncomfortable around you, when everything doesn't pass the smell test, when everything is painful, that you cry out to the Lord. That in your despair, in your stress, in your difficulty, you cry out to him. And you say, Marty, what do I say when I cry out to him? Maybe all you say is help me. Maybe all you say is forgive me. Maybe all you say is save me. Sometimes it's the two-word prayers that make all the difference. God, guide me. That we come to a place where we cry out to him. Are you ready to do that today? In our South Campus, are you ready to cry out to him? And maybe it's that simple, just two-word prayer that you're crying out. that That if you will do that, God in his mercy will reach to you. So what is it that you need from the Lord today? Because God in his mercy and his grace is here to help. I want to prepare your hearts for prayer. And I want want to prepare your hearts to receive what you need today. And some of you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Today is your day. Some of you are here today and it is time for you to repent and you to come home. You've wandered away. You've wandered away, and now it's time for you to turn and come back. There's others of you that you've got this whole list of of issues, and and the biggest issue is that you refuse to forgive yourself, and and today, you've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. You've got to release it. You've got to humble humble yourself. Just give it over to him and receive what God has for you. So as we prepare for prayer, 
I want you to stand together in our South Campus and in this uh, auditorium here. And we're going to just open up our hearts to God and we're going to ask God to speak. Speak to you right where you are. Okay? Right where you are. That God will have mercy on you. God's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to trust. Okay? Let's pray. Father, I thank you this day for your mercy and your grace. And as I look over this auditorium and as I think about the congregation in South Campus, I know there are people here that need that touch, your touch. There are people here that have never made a decision to follow Jesus. Today is the day. So I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Just say that. Say, Jesus, save me. Say, forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. Fill me with your presence. I receive that. Now, Father, I pray for not only those individuals who are making that life-altering decision to change their ways, to follow you, but I am praying for the whole host of others that are in the uh, depths that are in the struggle right now, that, that they feel like Jonah, that they're in their distress. They're calling out, and they're just crying out for help. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would bring help in their, uh, in their soul, in their mind, because some of it is just that negative voices that are just keep warring against them. I pray, God, that you would bring help to them. God, to those that are struggling uh, with money, to those that are struggling with addictions, to those that are struggling with an illness, to those that are just in the struggle, I pray and speak life over you. That in the Spirit, I push back the darkness. In the Spirit, I say to you that Satan has no authority, he has no power over you, but in the name of Jesus, you are free from those things that are holding you back. We push back the darkness and we welcome peace. We push back the darkness and we welcome rest. We push back the darkness and we welcome healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. And as a congregation, we pray together, God, I receive, say that, I receive what you have for me. Say that again. Say, I receive what you have for me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Now, I want you to receive that. Receive that word that God has set you free. And so I want you to walk in that freedom this week. And when those negative things come to you, just push it aside. No, I'm pushing back the darkness. I'm going to walk in freedom. I'm going to walk in forgiveness. Today is the day you're going to leave all that guilt and all that shame. You're leaving it here. And when you step out of that door, you're going to step out and with a new hope and a new vision and a new desire to be the person you have been created to be. You are an influencer. You are a leader in this community. And the Lord would say to you, it is time for you to start seeing yourself as he sees you. 
You have been living as if you were not worthy. And God says you are worthy. You have been carried this guilt. It's been like a weight that, that is dragging you and slowing you down. But the Lord would say to you, today the weight is broken off of you. Today you are free in Jesus' name. And he whom the Son has set free, today, my friends, you are free indeed. Hear this. I want you to receive the freedom. No longer are you going to be bound. No longer are you going to be held back. But God is opening the doors for you. And the only response that you have is that you're to step through those doors and say, in Jesus' name, I am moving forward with my life. In Jesus' name. You are victorious and you are free. In his name. Just receive that today. And when you walk out of this room, know that that weight is still here and you're walking out in freedom. And I want you to have the best week ever. See you next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.